Well, good morning. Let me move these across. I'm just going to pray and then get straight into this morning's message. Father, I thank you that we can gather together. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we look at your word, you'd um, uh, challenge our hearts, um, but also that we would hear what you're saying and um, move in step with you. Holy Spirit, to ask that you'd come and speak to us this morning for the sake of your kingdom, O oh God. Amen. Wonderful. Well, it's good to have you with us. Um, Over the last while, we have um, been looking at different things in the life of the church. We've been looking at moving on from the past, not going around the same mountain again, uh, looking back with thankfulness, looking up with faith and looking forward with courage into the things that God has for us. We also looked at... um, the, the whole thing of the promised land and that people matter to God and uh, that we need to, to have that as a focus in our lives. And this morning I want to build on something of that but also some, picking up on something that uh, Rich said last weekend when he preached. He uh, used the analogy of, well he used that piece of music of um, Coldplay but it was the, the passage of scripture that speaks of us shining like stars uh, in, in, this, in this dark world. And um, the, the fact that people use stars for navigation, and his question was, can people navigate their way back to God used by our lives? And um, the interesting thing is, is that people don't use a star for navigation. One star, if there was just one star in the sky, that wouldn't make any difference at all. You wouldn't know where anything was. It's all of them together. In the same way, God uses us corporately and together as a way that people can find their way back to him. It's God's plan that through the church, his church, that's us uh, and beyond us, that uh, he would come and make himself known to the nations of the world and that through our lives they would see him and be able to navigate their way back. And so it's a combination of letting God through his spirit work in our individual life but also that in our togetherness, corporately, uh, it's each one of us have a part to play. We haven't got the part to play. That's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That He's the one who has the part to play. But we have a part to play as we're following after him and reflect him in the world around us. And if you, I mean, you just have to look at the news and you can see, but you just have to look out your window and you can see that the world needs Jesus. The world needs the gospel. The world needs to know that there is a hope and and the hope is in Jesus. The hope is Jesus. That actually no matter what we've gone through, it's only in Jesus that we can find our sense of purpose, our sense of life, our sense of hope and a destiny and actually who we were created to be. It's all in and through Jesus. And this morning, I want to look at what it means or, 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 or some of the aspects of shining like stars, but actually impacting the world around us. Now, there are different ways that, um, the, that we speak about these things, and some would use the word evangelism and all sorts of other things, which conjure up all sorts of, in some people's eyes, um, absolute wonderful things. In other people's eyes, you use that word, and it's absolute terror. Because there's this pressure that they feel. But all of us are called to do that. Jesus spoke time and time again about seed that was sown. 
He, through his parables, he, he, he spoke about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He showed us how we to do that. He uh, showed us and spoke about loving our neighbor. And who our neighbor was is pretty much anybody. He, he, he taught about what it means to live as a disciple of his. And the cost that's involved, but also the privilege that's involved of being a follower of Jesus. He also talked about uh, using par- parables with uh, different things about how the salvation comes. And, and, and that's for everybody, from every nation, tribe, and tongue. He used analogies of a net that was let down and, and this incredible catch of multiple kinds of fish was brought up. And he used the analogy of a pearl that someone was searching after. When they found it, they sold everything in order to gain that. He used the analogy of uh, a treasure that when someone found it, they buried it, went and sold everything and came and got that. And probably the most well-known is the, the passage in, 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 in Luke where he speaks about the lost coin and the lost son and the lost sheep. So we know that that was demonstrated and preached by Jesus. We see it when he, he met different people, everyday people, and <clears throat> in their encounter with him, they come to know something of who God is. And he showed them love and grace and acceptance. And he, he, he showed them the way to the Father and that there was a hope. And actually their sins need to be forgiven. And he was the one. He healed people who were sick. He raised people who were dead. He set people free who were bound by bondages and the demonic. And he said before he went back to heaven that we are to go and do what he has done. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen to 20 says, now all authority in heaven has been given to me now. Now you go and make disciples of all nations, preaching the gospel and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. And he says that he will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, it's for every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every place. Nothing in all creation can hinder or stop the work of God and the purpose of God. And it's God's plan that it's through us, the church, that his kingdom is advanced. Somehow, he's decided that that is the way it should be. And it's not something that we strive and strain against or, or, or for. I think it's something that we just live in as he did. God shows us and teaches, well, Jesus teaches us that we to love God with everything in our lives, our hearts, our minds, our soul, our strength. In other words, your entire being is to love him. And he says that we to love others as we love ourselves. So the question is then, we know all of that. If you've been around long enough, you kind of know that. You know some of the parables, you know those scriptures, hopefully you would have read them and, and, and we know that we commissioned and we know that we called and we know that we have a role to play in preaching the gospel to the nations and we know that actually we have encountered him, the living God. And that those who don't know him need to know him so that they can live with wholeness and purpose and restored in relationship with him. And in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is in his teaching, says to his disciples and his followers, that the harvest is ready and ripe, but the workers are few. He says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers. 
And so that hasn't changed from Jesus' day to our day. The harvest is still ready. The workers are still few, and we to ask God, who is the Lord of the harvest, because it's his harvest, the fields belong to him, to send out workers. And I was saying this to our home group on Tuesday, it's a twofold thing. We pray and we ask God, send workers. But we also pray and say, God, here am I, send me. So that isn't a, we'll send them, and I'll just stay here. They bring it in, I'll look after them. That's not what it means. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, pray and ask the Lord of the harvest. And I've said this before. Sometimes we kind of feel that we're encroaching on the world if we go in and preach the gospel or share the love of God because that's the world. But that's the harvest field. And Scripture tells us that the harvest field belongs to the Lord of the harvest. Who is the Lord of the harvest? He is. Therefore, that belongs to him. The people, actually, the harvest belongs to him. And so we're not encroaching on the world. That's what the world would try and make us feel. We're actually going and preaching the gospel so that people would return to their creator. They would return to a relationship with God who has fashioned and formed them. Jesus carries on in Luke chapter 13 uh, the first few verses speak all about fruitfulness. If you want to read that, it speaks about a, a, a person who plants a fig tree in a vineyard. And then um, after a number of years, the, the owner comes and sees that the fig tree is not bearing fruit. So he said, well, let me cut it down. He t- t- instructs his, uh, gar- his laborer to cut it down and burn it. And the person says, no, 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 let me, let me nurture it again. Let me feed it. Let me uh, prune it. And so come back in a year's time. And if it hasn't produced fruit, then we'll do that. In other words, there's a sense of actually we need to be fruitful. God's created us to be fruitful. And he gives us opportunity after opportunity to respond to the truth of his Holy Spirit working in us that we would be fruitful. Because that's what we're created to do. So my question, if you look at all of that for us today, and our challenge is this, how are we doing how are you doing? Not in a Joey from Friends manner, but uh, how are you doing in relation to being fruitful? Showing the love of God. Sharing your faith. And there are three things that I believe God is highlighting for us as a community and we're going to look at those over the next three weeks and today is this one the first is the harvest the harvest fields and reaching out fruitfulness evangelism whatever word you want to put with that the second is a sense of communities and we'll look at that next week discipleship and communities and then the third is that of Pioneering and sending out and going beyond the boundaries of our town into the nations of the world. But today we're going to look at what it looks like and what it means here today for us with regard to harvest or fruitfulness, evangelism, reaching out, whatever word you want to, to use. Because often we know we should be doing it because that's what we know we created to do, and we know we commissioned to do it. But often we hold back and we don't. And there can be a number of reasons. It can be, well, I don't know. I don't want to make a mess. I don't know what to say. 
I'm more of an introvert. But you know what? God's greater than any of us. If we just faithfully do what he calls us to do, we're not going to make a mess. If you know Jesus, that's enough to tell someone else about him. It's simple. I think we overcomplicate it too much. And often there's that real sense of striving. We have to do this. We have, and, and then there's guilt and there's all sorts of other things. And, and I don't think that's from him. Because if you look at Jesus' life, and then you look at the disciples, you can see that actually it came with ease. There was a real sense of purpose and a sense of urgency because he is coming back. And he's closer to coming back now than he was when, when the disciples lived, as we read in Scripture. And Scripture tells us these things you will see, and it's the signs of the end of the age. And, and man, those things have been going on now, and they've been going on for a while. And so for me, I don't know. What, no one knows when Jesus is coming back. But what we do know, it's sooner rather than later. And it's closer now than it was 10 years ago. So there's a sense of urgency, but not of panic. And not of striving and I've got to make it happen. Because he's the Lord of the harvest. And it's his harvest field. And so I want to look at a few things. That scripture in Luke chapter 15 where Jesus uses the three pictures. It's not the main text this morning but it kind of gives us a picture. There's the the first parable of or there's the one picture of of a sheep. A shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one goes missing. And he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one and he searches intently until he finds it. And when he finds it, then he brings the sheep home. And because that which was lost is found and he calls all his friends and they celebrate because this lost sheep is found. Then he uses the picture of, or, or the parable of the lady who has 10 coins and she loses one. And then she searches everywhere for this coin. Intently, in, intentionally ser- searching and searching until she finds it. And then again, she celebrates with her friends because that which was lost was found. And then the third is the parable of the prodigal son who we know kind of takes his inheritance, goes off, squanders it, and finds himself living uh, with the pigs in a foreign land because he's used all his inheritance and he feels like he's, everything's finished. And he remembers his father's servants that even his father's servants had more to eat than he did. And, and, he, and he determines that actually I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back. I'm gonna, and he prepares this whole speech to give his father as he comes back of how he's sorry and repentant and everything else and comes back and as he's coming back to his father his father sees him a long way off runs to him embraces him welcomes him in doesn't let him finish his speech embraces him back as a son celebrates gives him a ring and a coat and shoes and and they have a big party because that son that was dead has come back and we see the brother has other issues and is all offended because of all of those things but the three things there the son the coin and the sheep shows that the person was very intentional about searching after them. And there was a big celebration where they found. In Luke chapter 13, when after it speaks about that fruitfulness in the fig tree in the vineyard, Jesus goes on to speak about the kingdom of God, and he uses these two analogies. He says, The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed 
that is so small and it is planted and then grows into this enormous tree, the biggest of garden plants, and where birds and animals come and find safety and refuge. And the kingdom of God is like yeast that's worked into bread and then increases. And when we look at those two, we see something else that's interesting. Yes, it's tiny and it grows big. And the yeast, uh, uh, most of you know I make bread, so yeast you do, you, you knead it in and then it, and it increases in size. But you know what? There's a little bit of work to plant the seed. There's a little bit of work to knead and work the yeast into the dough. And then you sit back. As a gardener, you water the plant, you, but you don't make it grow. There's no striving. You can stress as much as you like about that plant, whether it's going to grow or not, and you can't change a thing. Because God's the one who makes it grow. When you're making bread, you put the yeast in, and you let it do its thing, and it grows, and it increases. Yes, you pommel it every now and then, but... If you mess around with it too much, you knock all the life out and then it has to grow again. The point is this. I was reading that this week, praying about this morning, and I just felt this. Too often, we plant the plant and we make all the stress and strain of planting the seed. Then we stress and strain about making it grow and making it grow. And, and actually it grows when we relax. And let God do the work. When we put the yeast, we do the bit of, little bit of work at the beginning, but actually it then is created to grow. It's created to increase. It's created to do that. When we step back and say, God, you let it do. Why? Because he's the Lord of the harvest. And actually, if we look at our lives with regard to preaching the gospel or being uh, salt and light into the world, there is an urgency, but not a striving. There's an urgency because there are so many people who don't know him who are going to spend eternity in hell apart from him. And we have the answer. And it's Jesus. And we can introduce them to him. We're part of that picture. But it's him that does the work. And then you look at Jesus. Jesus very easily preached the gospel. Well, I know he's the son of God, but he laid aside all of that and came as a man. And everything he did, we can do by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said so. Yes. But you see, Jesus seemed to, seemed to preach just very simply to those around him. To the one in front of him. The one who needed to know that they were loved and accepted. The one who was sick that needed to be healed. It required a few things. But Jesus seems to have done it with ease. Not striving and panicking. Not thinking, well, I now need to do an evangelism crusade today. I'm not saying those things are bad if God gives them as a strategy. But sometimes we, we can approach life like that. with so stressed about needing to get everything done. That we miss the one in front of us. And there are three simple things 
I want to draw out this morning the, that I, I kind of see from Jesus' life that we can learn from. And the first is prayer. Jesus spent an inordinate amount of time in the presence of the Father, praying. Because he knew that he couldn't do it in his own strength, he needed God. He needed the empowering of the Holy Spirit. But he also needed to hear what God was saying. Because it said he didn't do anything without his Father saying. He needed to know where the Father was working, what the Father was doing, and therefore where he needed to go and who he needed to speak to. His strategy was going to God. His plan was relying on God and praying. See, our time in God's presence praying creates the ability to hear his voice. And man, we need to hear his voice. We need to hear his voice for our lives, but we also need to hear his voice as to how we to live in the world we live in, in a way that reflects him and work with him. Not saying, God, this is what we're doing. Come join us and help us. It's God, what are you doing? Father, what are you saying? Where are you going? Break my heart for those around me. Show me who you, who you want me to reach. And then as we go, just like Jesus did, those that are around you, we then take, not for granted, but we take the assumption that actually those I'm meeting today is by God's plan and purpose. So God, what are you wanting me to say? How do we do that? So the first is prayer. The second is you need to be where the people are. Again, I've said this many times before. If we are to reach and reap a harvest, you have to be in the harvest field. It's not sending a combine harvester in, though those are really helpful and handy. It's we walk in the field and harvest. I think I've used the analogy before. I grew up some of my life on farms in different places and there were times where we'd pick corn or we'd pick chilies or we'd pick whatever was being grown. But you couldn't sit on the edge of the field and just hope they jumped in. You actually have to go and pick. You actually have to go and and bring in the harvest. And the same is there. In order to do that, you had to be in the field. And the same is true for us. If God says that the harvesters ripe, send workers into the harvest field, we have to be where others are. That's what we see in Jesus' life. He just lived his life. It was where people were. When he came up and there were people that were sick, he prayed for them. He was where the people are. And so, so often we kind of are not where people are. I know we're always around people, but in our hearts and our thinking, it's like we all can almost live separate. We need to understand that actually we live in the harvest field by God's design. Let's be where the people are and have faith that among the people we'll shine like stars. So the first was prayer. The second, he was where the people are. That's where we need to be, is where the people are. Don't shy away from those things and think, well, I don't like it. Tough, really. And the third, I think, is key for this morning. In that 
Jesus intentionally stepped into their world, if I can use that term. So I've just said we're not separate, but in some ways it's the wor- their world and their environment. We, and he intentionally stepped into their world. The commission is that we go. Not in, an, not in a pushy way, not in a Bible-bashing way, but he intentionally stepped into their world. If you look in Scripture in Colossians, I should have marked it, Colossians chapter 4. From verse 1 to verse 6, sorry, verse 2 to verse 6, says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which we are in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And then he says this in verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. In other words, those who are unsaved. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Pray. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your words be full of grace and love, pointing to Jesus, and seasoned with salt. In other words, you see, salt preserves, but salt also enhances and salt makes you thirsty. All those kind of things you can draw analogies from. But what he's saying is, be intentional. Make the most of every opportunity with grace and love and uh, in a way that draws people to God rather than pushing them away. And I know, I know the truth. To some, it is like the stench of death. And to others, it's an aroma. I get that. But we don't determine that. We are responsible for how we speak about God, how we live. And it should be full of grace, seasoned with salt, making the most of every opportunity. Jesus was led by the Spirit and kept in step with the Spirit and went intentionally into the worlds of other people. So let's not overthink it. Just follow what God says. Look and learn from Jesus. If you read the scripture, I think it's John 4, where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. Again, a well-known passage of scripture. He and his disciples go through Samaria. They stop at, I think it's Jacob's well. The disciples go into the village to go in the town to go and get food. And Jesus is at the well. Then a Samaritan woman comes up to the well. It wasn't expected that Jesus would speak to her. But Jesus, having spent time with the Father, knowing what his role was, knowing that actually he had a role to play in reaching others, making the most of every opportunity with grace and seasoned with salt, intentionally involves himself in her world by simply asking for water. Didn't Bible bash her? Didn't read the law? Didn't condemn? Asked her for water. 
took the step. Here's this woman. No one would have thought anything if Jesus had ignored her because she was a Samaritan and he was a Jew. Apart from the fact that we find out later that her history, even more so, someone would think, well, you don't talk to them. Yet Jesus saw his heart was moved. God had sent, because why? Because wherever I go today, I have to believe those around me is, are there because of God's plan. And so it's making the most of the opportunity, stepping into her world and saying, please can I have some water? And then the conversation moves on. And we know what happens. Through that, just the simple, intentional, involving himself in her world, not only does she come to a realization of who he is, she goes to the town and tells the whole town who she's met. Then the whole town come out. And then they said, now we believe not because of her testimony, but because we have heard it for ourselves. All because Jesus, one day, found himself at a well, and someone else was there. And he intentionally involved himself in her world by asking for water. Quite simple. Think of when Jesus was walking down the road, I think it was in Jericho, and a short little tax man heard about Jesus, couldn't see because he was short, so he climbs up a tree, Zacchaeus, climbs up a sycamore fig tree and sits in the tree so you can see Jesus. Jesus and the crowd are walking. Jesus has spent time with the Father. We know he always does. Could quite easily have walked straight under the tree. What does he do? Holy Spirit's leading intentionally involves himself in the life of Zacchaeus. And all he says to him is, Zacchaeus, come down. I need to come to your house today. Changes his world completely because as a tax collector, no one liked him. Jesus intentionally, in that day, Father, you've put people in my life. All these people around me, who do you want me to talk to? There's a guy up a tree. I want to come to your home. And he comes to a place of salvation and gives back everything that he took away. Quite simple. Do you think you can do that? I'm sure each one of us can. Jesus was found where people were and simply engaged with them. When he was around and, and sinners and all those who shouldn't be with were there, and the Pharisees started complaining, the religious people started complaining. What does he say? Well, I've come for those who are sick, not those who are healthy. He knew that he had to engage in their world. So for us, the challenge is, how do we do that? Simply spend time with God, be around people, and intentionally step into their world. So our challenge is how do we intentionally step into their world? Let me give you some examples of what I, 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 I kind of see this happening already, but also choices I've made. So Rob and Katie 
Sorry, I didn't ask you. Rob and Katie, I mean, our home group know this, but Rob and Katie intentionally involve themselves in a book club. That is not a church book club, which means the books they read sometimes. But who needs to hear the truth? The nice Christians reading the latest Christian book or those who don't know God who need a light to shine in their darkness, intentionally stepping in with love and grace, with wisdom. That's why it says pray and have, be wise with how you speak. So most of you would know that, well, some of you might, most of you probably don't know, the school next door, if you've been here at school time, it's horrendous because of all the parking. So the intention, they, they park here in our driveway. And one person... One person asked if they could. And so we had this conversation, and they can. And so I thought, actually, you know what? Because I see them, and I, I try not, and most of them avoid me because they know they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing because it's private property, and they don't, and they, I don't know. So, so I thought, actually, let, how, how do I involve myself in that? So I've just put a note on every single one of the cars. You're welcome to park here. But if you do, please can you just register in this way So that we can tell you if we've got an event that we need to close. But also it means that you've therefore got permission and your insurance isn't null and void because you're parking in private property. Now I've got a list. And I talk to them because now they're here because I've invited them to be here. And I talk to them when they come and some still avoid me, but that's fine. What I've intentionally done is how can I intentionally involve myself in all the people who park here? Not to, in a religious way, but just actually if you register, it means we can actually let you know when there's, not, when there's an event. So last week, we could tell them, not last week, the week before, we've got an event, you can park in the morning, but not in the afternoon. And there's conversation going. Most of you also know that the, the, the county council use our coffee lounge to teach English to those who don't speak English, either refugees or those who've, or who've moved here because of whatever reason. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three classes, three different groups of people. So they're there. How do I intentionally involve myself in their world because they're in contact with my world? A, I've got a relationship with a person who teaches, so I always talk. But then I know when the classes are. And I know that in our agreement with them, we have access to the kitchen from the outside. So I make sure I'm here when they arrive, so that even if it's just at the door and walking past, I can say hello. Or I intentionally go and make a cup of tea, even if I don't need a cup of tea or want a cup of tea, because I know the time they're going to be in the kitchen. So that I can just say, hello, this is who I am. Who are you? Where are you from? Why? Because they're here by God's design. I've got to believe that. Just like those who live next door to you or work with you are there by God's design that you can intentionally step into their world. And hopefully, in faith, we trust that God would open doors. Already things seem to be opening with different ways that we could move forward with them. The same with the neighbors. I intentionally go and talk to them. 
there's a couple who are about to move. And so I've, I first waited to see why they were moving because last a few months ago they weren't moving and they were busy building and then one of them got sick and I, I wanted to make sure they both were alive before I went because they're older, they are both alive. And so now this week it's my, I need to go and talk to them. Why? Because I've involved myself in their world so that somehow God would use me to reach them. It's not complicated. But each one of you have a world. I can't remember who said it, but I think it might have been some point at the eldest thing the other week that each one of you is unique, but also each one of you have a unique group of people that you meet and are involved in. Why? Because it's God's plan that through you they'd come to know Him. It's simple. Spend time in God's presence. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise with how you speak to those who don't know him. Let your conversation be full of grace and salt, seasoned with salt. Why? So that they would see Jesus in you. Jesus did it. You can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. I'm far more comfortable, it might not seem like it, I'm far more of an introvert than an extrovert. But it's possible. Why? Because you just got to step into their world. The harvest is ripe. We live in the harvest field. But do we see it? Do we involve ourselves in people's lives because, not because we're good or because we are anything special? but because we know Jesus and we have a relationship with the one who, who has died for them and everything in their world needs to encounter Jesus. That's why we live here. Jesus involved himself in the worlds of people simply by asking a question, helping where he could help, and reflecting the Father. That's what we're called to do. It's not complicated. So as I finish, can I challenge you this week? Ask God to help you be intentional and see. It could be as simple as someone who's a cashier at a checkout. We've got to know some of the local cashiers at one of our shop that we do our grocery shopping in every Monday. Some of them are very open to talking. Others are not that open to talking. So we still know them and still talk to them. But there are others that we have conversations about their family, about where they're from, about there's a lady from Hong Kong. I don't know where the others are from, India. and or, So we have these conversations. Why? Because I'm facing them every Monday. So let me step into their world. At the same time, I think there are things that we can do to invite them into ours. But that's a process. So my challenge to each one of us, including myself, look for the opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity this week so that it becomes a lifestyle, not an event. A lifestyle of living God's way to show his grace, his love, his mercy to those who need to know him. And just see what God does.
if asking for a drink of water transformed a town. And Jesus has said we to do what he did. Who knows what God could do through you today or tomorrow. But let's be expectant. Because that's why we're here. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we know you. Lord, I pray if there are any here this morning who, who don't know you as they cry out and say, Lord, you say that when we search for you with all our heart, we will find you. God, I pray if there are any here this morning who don't know you and searching after you, that they would find you. Reveal yourself to them, Lord, I pray. That they would come to know you, a loving God, full of grace and mercy, who is holy and righteous and just, who has paid the price for them to live with purpose for eternity with you. But Father, I pray for all of us. Lord, if we've got stuck in excuses or stress and striving, Lord, I pray that we would just relax in your Holy Spirit, walking every day, making the most of every opportunity, being wise with what we say, what we don't say. Lord, that our lives would shine for you. That our conversations would be full of grace, drawing people to you, Lord. Father, I pray that this week, even today, that you would stir our hearts, that we would see and live with the reality that those around us are there by your design. Help us to step into their worlds so that somehow, through us, they might come to know you. Holy Spirit, lead us in our conversations, in our lifestyles, to reflect you, God. That those who live without a hope in a desperate world would find their hope in you. Lord, thank you for letting us live in your harvest field. Help us to bring the harvest in. In Jesus' name. Amen.